if we could have the slides, tonight we're going to look again at Bible promises for God's provision. This is part two. What I'm hoping to do on the evening of March 5 is to try to draw some things together, Sunday evening, March 5, in a message on the sufficiency of Christ, to try to draw together some of these elements that we're talking about here in the journaling series. Because the more you work through these, the more clear it is that it's Christ who is the sufficient one. It is not merely theoretical principles that you would say, well, this, this verse is important to me just because it's a biblical principle. That's a good reason. There's no question about it. But the real reason is that it's about, it's about Christ. It's about seeing the Lord. As you would see in Psalm 119, verse 15, when the psalmist said, I will meditate on all your precepts and have respect for your ways, that we look in the word of God to learn the ways of God. And that certainly was very evident to us in the last message when we looked at God's promises there and we looked at the way that the Lord Jesus, for instance, said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. And we looked at promises uh, such as what he said in 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called you to glory and virtue. And because of Jesus Christ, who he is, we are greatly blessed. We know this in Ephesians, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. And I mentioned last time that ordinarily when we think about uh, what we, when we think about God's promises of provision, we usually think in a material sense. What about when I am faced with uh, not having enough money to reach the end of the month. And, and usually when we think of provision, that's one of the first things that comes to our mind. And that's good. It's just that what is best is recognizing that is it's in Jesus Christ, that in him we, we have all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, it tells us in Colossians, and he is the sufficient one. So as I say, on the evening of March 5, I'm going to attempt to draw a lot of these things together as we come together around the Lord's table that evening. For tonight, let's launch into some more promises and just look at these. Certainly, I would imagine one of the favorites that would be for people here in the room is what you find here in Romans chapter 8, verses 31-32. The Apostle Paul is comforting the church there at Rome and encouraging them and giving them just marvelous instruction about God's righteousness. And he says, what shall we say then to these things? And in the context, he's talking about what shall separate us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. He says, what, shall, what then shall we say these, to these things? Now catch this. If God is for us, if God be for us, who can be against us? It's a rhetorical question, but hey, if God is for us, then nobody can successfully be against us. It's almost like Joseph saying to his brothers, even if others mean it for evil, God means it for good. If God be for us, who can be against us? And then he explains, he, speaking of God the Father, that spared not his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, you see the the connection there between, first of all, he gives us his son. He gave us his only son. That's Jesus Christ that we were talking about a few moments ago. But then notice what else. He says, look, if, if he's given you his son, 
God the Father gave his son to live the perfect life that every one of us should have lived and then in our place to die the sinner's death that we rightly deserved. And in dying as our substitute and in rising again, God was showing us his glorious victory over sin and death. And what he's saying here is, look, he who spared not his own son, he gave his own son Jesus Christ for us. How shall he not with him, and we ought to capitalize that there, with him also freely give us all things. That's a pretty amazing promise, isn't it? When you stop to think about the sufficiency of Christ, the provision of Jesus Christ, you and I, as we'll see here in Matthew 6 in just a few moments, we tend to get pretty focused on our material needs. And and we just think, hey, how am I going to get through the next few days? How am I going to survive through the, the difficulties I'm going through? But it's really important to step back and realize, here's how much God loves us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The greatness of that gift, Paul speaks of it in 2 Corinthians 9 as the unspeakable gift, the indescribable gift that God the Father gave to sinners such as we are. He gave us that, and so it's almost incidental when he says, how shall he not also with him freely give us all things? I'm reminded of uh, when it talks about in the scripture and it's describing the creation, and it just makes this this comment about the creation. It says, he made the stars also. <laughs> okay, stop to think about what that means just for a moment. They, I mean, they're talking about, they think there's way over 100 billion galaxies, and of those 100 billion galaxies, the theory is, from what they're saying, maybe 100 billion stars in each one. And you think about these incredible flaming furnaces like our own sun, which is a small example, some of the larger ones out there, and it just makes the comment in Scripture, uh, he, he made the stars also. <laughs> it's just amazing. In the same sense, he that spared not his own son, but freely gave him to us, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? That is a tremendous promise to take hold of. Well, how would you apply this? Several years ago, somebody asked me and said, hey, uh, I'm trying to instruct my kids about this. And one of them asked me, Hey, when I get like, you know, money on my birthday and things like that, should I give a portion of that back to the Lord? And the man said, I told my son no. Um, what do you think? And I said, Well, the first verse that comes to my mind is the one I put on the screen here. Honor the Lord with your substance. Okay, so that's with your possessions. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all your increase. And it doesn't just say wages, he says the first fruit of all your increase. And what will then happen? So shall your barns be filled with plenty, your presses burst out with new wine in their agricultural setting there where they were very dependent on the Lord. That was actually a remarkable blessing. Now, think about, think about this promise and, and then try to contrast it with the last promise. This last promise in Romans chapter 8 was largely unconditional. If you are a believer, he says, how shall he not with him freely give you all things? Okay, And you say, well, there may be some conditions in there. For instance, we have to ask and pray. You're exactly right. Some things we don't even ask for, he gives to us. But it's not like there is a a particular if-then sort of cause and effect or condition in that verse in Romans 8. But there most certainly is here in 
Proverbs chapter 3. What's the condition? That we would honor the Lord with our substance, honor the Lord with our possessions, and with the first fruits of all our increase. Here's what the Lord promised to do. He, he promised to bless us. Uh, when we talk about the Old Testament tithe, it's a little bit of a thorny issue. People say, well, it's 10%. I can honestly say to you that if you went back and looked at the Old Testament, it's not merely 10%. I know that tithe, and people say it, it means 10%. Uh, by my calculations, when you compare passage with passage, and this is, again, because it was a theocracy that was God as the governor, God as the one who was over all things, it was more like 32% that, that they were kind of required to give in that way. Is that how it works in the New Testament? No, in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, it's God loves a cheerful giver, and he will, uh, and you can see this in Proverbs as well, in verses like this one, where when we give, he fills us up to overflowing and allows us to give even more. So think about this one. This, con- this promise is a conditional promise, and it's important to notice when you run across those. And the condition here is that we would honor the Lord with our possessions and with the first fruits of all our increase. And here's what's going to happen as a result. Think about what the Lord will do for you as you do that. That's a tremendous promise just to have ready to think about when you're thinking about giving or how you're going to uh, conduct things. Then there's uh, over in Matthew chapter 6, and this is, uh, we'll look at these two verses to finish up here. Here is what is so common. Uh, The question is, hey, what are we going to eat and what are we going to drink and wherewith shall we be clothed? If you listen to the advertisements, especially on talk radio, where they talk about, hey, you need to get your survival supplies in, other things like that. What's the big question that's on everybody's lips? Hey, what, what are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? Uh, how are we going to be clothed? And he says, all these things do the Gentiles seek. You and I could, again, illustrate that from talk radio advertisements right now. He says, but your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things. He, he, he knows that. He knows that about you. He created you, and he knows that you have need of these things. So is there a promise in those two verses? I don't necessarily see it. It's a wonderful statement of theology that our Heavenly Father knows we have need. Is there a promise? Well, here's the promise in the next verse. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and see what will happen, and all these things shall be added unto you. Again, it is conditional. And what is the condition? That we would seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, all these things shall be added unto you. Okay, what things? Well, back to the previous verse, what are we going to eat? And what are we going to drink? And, and you know, how is it we're going to be clothed? And he uses the illustration in there about the lilies of the field. This would be right around uh, on the... Let me stop to think about it for a second. This is going to be on the west, northwest side, I believe, of the Sea of Galilee, Beatitude Mount. And in that season of the year, there would have been all kind of flowers. And he's using the illustration of the lilies there and said, look, look at the way these, these lilies are clothed. And they're, they're finer than anything Solomon, uh, King Solomon, with all his riches ever wore. This is what the Lord is promising us here, that he will take care of us. And 
that as we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things are going to be added unto us. So if you have your journals there tonight, just think about the way that you could then use these promises to kind of go through these. Again, you have this promise, if God be for us, that is, you, you are a believer, if God is for us, then who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, here's the promise, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? So it's a wonderful promise of provision of Christ for us, first of all. God spared not his own son, he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ, but also with him give us freely all things. Again, see the connection between he has given us the Messiah He is also promising us he will give us the material things that we need. And then in Proverbs chapter 3, again, conditional, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. And what will happen? Well, so shall your barns be filled with plenty, your presses burst out with new wine. Again, it's conditional, but the condition is if you honor the Lord with your possessions, he will provide for you abundantly. This would be a really great scripture to teach to our children, our grandchildren uh, in these days. And then, of course, Matthew 6.33, we talked about, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. I am confident among those of you who are here tonight that person after person could rise and give a testimony and say, you know, that's absolutely true. As I tried to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and just tried to honor him with my possessions... The Lord has really provided in ways that I could, I could barely have even begun to think or describe uh, earlier in my life. But you have the confidence of being able to stand on the promises and honor the Lord with them. So tonight, that was part two of Bible promises for God's provision. Next Wednesday night, Lord willing, we'll look at part three and go to some familiar verses, I believe, that can uh, encourage us about this. The beauty of it is, and we'll talk about this a little bit on the night of March 5, when you get down to the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it tells you that all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. In other words, when you have Christ, you have all these blessed promises that he's talking about. So first and foremost, the most important thing is to embrace the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, having a relationship with him and then watch how, how he will provide in all these other areas. Well, let's have a word of prayer together and then divide up for our prayer groups tonight, shall we? Lord, we do praise your name and bless you for this understanding that we have that God the Father gave us his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he that spared not his own Son, how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Lord, we're trusting you tonight that you would give us all these things, everything that we need. We know that you know our needs, Lord. We're asking that you would meet our needs and help us in these days to come and teach us how to bless others by honoring the Lord with our substance and the first fruits of all of our increase. And Lord, we ask that you would prosper us so that we could bless others even more. Thank you for these wonderful promises tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's divide up for our prayer groups tonight, shall we?